Hello and welcome to the Deep State Consciousness podcast. Today I'm joined by Brit Tanya. Brit is a conscious coach working in the southwest of England and today she's going to tell us what that's all about. Brit, good morning. Good morning. So when I use the term conscious or consciousness, I was thinking about this and I suppose I use it as a kind of replacement word for spiritual in some ways because that word's become so vague, so with a similar meaning. Um, and I wondered if that's what conscious coaching is. Is it a kind of spiritual coaching? Um, but as well as putting that question to you, I think I need to also ask you to explain it and also explain what normal run-of-the-mill coaching is, because I don't think I understand that well enough to, to go on to the advanced level of what conscious coaching is. Yet. <laughs> okay. Um, so I suppose my understanding of consciousness um, or being more conscious is, is not necessarily spiritual, although I sort of consider myself as a spiritual person. Um, to me, it's really just about being more aware, more aware of ourselves, how we work, how we affect the life that we live, um are we creating what we want in the world or are we sort of creating <laughs> a bit of a mess um for me it's i suppose understanding how we operate as humans and how our humanness how we can use our humanness to have a better experience okay and how so, does that what so what's the difference then if i went to a normal what does a normal coach do if you know you different so uh, you, um, should I share um, coaching and how it's different to say mentoring or therapy and things like that? Yeah, it might be or really helpful actually because I'm, I'm a bit dense on these things, so that would be good. That's <laughs> fine. It's absolutely fine. So coaching is very future focused and it's very much about the client. So um, an analogy that you can use for coaching is a bit like I'm a taxi driver. So my client comes in and they tell me where they want to go and I take them there in the quickest possible method that I can. Um, mentoring is um, where the person who you're working with knows more than you do so they're an expert in their field and you go to them to learn you know how to progress in your field to get to wherever they are with a coaching I mean I have coached people who have absolutely no no knowledge of their industry I've coached people in the brewery industry I've coached bankers I've coached people in the diamond industry I've coached people um, in oil and gas industries so I've got a very wide um, array of people that I can coach and I don't specifically have to know their life and what's going on in it to be an effective coach in fact it actually sometimes is better that you know little because yeah. then you don't have any preconceived ideas of what and how they should be doing things so that's coaching and mentoring and um, therapy um, is obviously helping somebody with a particular sort of challenge or issue that they've got and that can quite often be reflective and looking back at the past and exploring what was going on and um, with coaching it's not like that it's very practical and future focused and very action orientated generally as well um, what are they going to be doing and people follow up with coaching it's done generally on a fairly regular basis where you check in with the client and make sure that they are making the changes they've agreed to make whereas with, with therapy and things like that that isn't necessarily the case that you know you, people are sort of being held accountable for the actions that they've chosen to take okay does great now yeah, it does yeah now from reading the some of the testimonies on your website I was hearing people say things like, with other coaching I've done, it's all been focused on actions in the world I could take. And Brit's coaching got me to think inwardly as well about my inner attitudes and values and this kind of thing. So is that, is that kind of conscious coaching? 
Yes, um, and with consciousness coaching, quite often what we do is we share things that we call awarenesses with the clients. So, for instance, um, like most companies and their values will have things like um, they want to have um, integrity and authenticity. But not many people actually know how to increase their integrity and to do those sort of things. So with a conscious coaching, we'll actually share awarenesses with them. Um, but we'll make sure that they know that that's not part of the coaching. So we'll say, I'm going to share an awareness with you around um, integrity um, so that they get a deeper understanding for how who they're being in the world affects the world and how they can change it so that they can get the results that they want to get. So that part is, I suppose it's creating greater awareness in the client um, and that's where the difference between conscious coaching and other coaching tends to come in. Okay, a lot of stuff I'd seen, I've seen in the spiritual world that sort of relates to this is looking at how we sabotage our own efforts on some level, that we, we have a desire to have a successful business or a relationship or something like that, but then we have fears about that because we saw how money has affected other people or we saw like our parents' relationship and we don't want to go into that. So overtly, I think, yeah, what am I doing? I'm, I'm going on dating sites. I'm meeting the right people. I'm really trying and it's just not happening for me. And there's some inner thing that I'm like un, in floating around in my own conscious that's, that's blocking me. And I wonder, does conscious coaching speak to that? Definitely. Very, very much so. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, the, for me, the, the becoming more aware deals with that unconsciousness within us because 90% or 90, actually they say it's actually closer to 99% of our reality is created by the programs and the beliefs that we've already developed within our unconscious or subconscious mind. Um, and it's that projection onto our life that creates the life that we experience. So by becoming more aware of how we work so that you can understand how the unconscious and this or subconscious, I tend to call it subconscious, although technically speaking, I think it is unconscious, um, how that sort of, um, how that works us or gets us to create what we create in, the in our life. So I kind of, I see it between... I like to sort of be gentle with ourselves. The way I see it is when we're born, we're automated. So for us to survive in the world, we need to have certain inbuilt mechanisms that ensures our physical survival. Otherwise, we just keep on doing the same things that would sort of um, endanger our sort of physical being. So we're bo born with this amazing automated system that keeps us alive. But at some point that that is just not enough because being alive and living are two very different things. And most of us on this planet really want to enjoy being alive. Um, and that for me is where it sort of, it helps to then become more conscious and to realize A, what it is in your subconscious that you have driving you so that you can make different choices. And for me, the fascination has been how, how does that all, how does it do that? <laughs> how does it show up in my life? And you know, what can I learn that can hack the system and make my life a lot easier? Yeah, it's amazing when you have success with it, isn't it, for the first time? Because then you see how powerful it is. And it does become like, fascinatingly interesting then. Because I know, okay, if I can just make those adjustments, then life goes on a widely different tangent all of a sudden and all for the better well it suddenly opens up doesn't it yeah. i mean instead of like one possible route you suddenly have like a hundred different routes that you kind of were hiding that you never saw before yeah yeah so i'm i'm aware from uh, reading your uh, biography on the website you uh, were, were doing well in the business world before getting into coaching yes. so what inspired you to put that down and make that shift um well, it's actually, strangely enough, just what I was talking about. So before, it was really just about surviving. So I got divorced when my kids were very young. My youngest one was only a year old. 
and um, I went from a lady of leisure to suddenly having to make a living. And the opportunity that came along was working in the wine industry, importing wine. I was living in Botswana at the time, importing wine into Botswana and distributing it throughout Botswana, which was wonderful because um, unknowingly I had created um, exactly what I wanted, which was enough time to be with my children um, and not an office job. So a lot of the work I did, I did from home. So I was always around for them. But it was very, very demanding. Um, there was always something going wrong with it. And... In the end, I didn't really enjoy it. I enjoyed the socializing. I enjoyed sort of meeting people and that element of it. But um, I didn't enjoy the sales and the marketing and pushing it all the time. Um, so when, and I always knew, I don't know how or why, but I knew inside myself that I was here for a reason on this earth. And I knew that the wine business wasn't that. It was more of a means to, to an end. And I kept asking. I don't even know what I was asking, but just sort of, constantly in my mind sort of you know what am I here for what is what am I meant to be doing on this earth mm. um and then yeah somebody mentioned have you thought about coaching so I tried different things I tried Reiki I tried body talk I tried access consciousness and none of them I couldn't really see myself doing any of them for a living whilst I found them wildly interesting and absolutely fascinating um it wasn't something I could see myself doing as a career mm. Um, and then someone mentioned coaching and they said to me, you know, well, just go and Google it. You'll find the right one. And as I Googled it, the very first one that came up was consciousness coaching. And I explored mm. many other ones, but that was the one that it sort of fitted in so many different elements of who I was and really spoke to me. And that was that. So, Okay. And it suggests, would I be right to say, it suggests a certain desire on your part to help people become in the world, to become who they want to be as opposed to resolving yes. trauma? Um, I think actually my real motivating factor, when I did the course, I didn't realize what my motivating factor was when I started the course. But through doing it, um, they say your greatest passions come from your greatest pains. Um, and my greatest pains, as we mentioned just before we started on the, on the actual thing, was from being bullied and also being in an abusive relationship. Um, and it's that abuse of power which I find just, just absolutely, I don't know, I can't even, there's not even words for the emotions it brings up mm. in me. Um, and so I suppose the opposite of that is um, bringing a way that people can be powerful without having to use force into the world. So not being scared of being powerful, but being powerful in a way that brings joy and brings, you know, nourishment to people rather than taking away from people. So that, I suppose, really is what motivates me, is to, to share that there are ways for us to be powerful in the world where we don't have to harm others or the planet or anyone else mm. in being that. Right. Do you find people have a fear of power sometimes because they see it as being intertwined with being abusive? Absolutely, because one of my biggest struggles was finding a word for what it is that I actually want to bring. Because if you use power, it's immediately mm. thought of as yeah. force. Um, there is no word in the English dictionary. I think the closest I got was to charismatic um, because charismatic means something with the energy of God or something like that. Um, but we don't use the word in the right way to be able to use it <laughs> as I wanted to use yeah. it. So. Yeah, we don't. No, yeah. no I, didn't, I didn't know that was the dictionary definition. Um, and I, I also <laughs> yeah, saw... Done, done my research on trying to find the word. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I saw you'd mentioned figures like Nelson Mandela and Gandhi as inspirations for this kind of approach. 
Absolutely. I mean, if you think of the things that they achieved, and they didn't do it through force. I mean, Mandela, I suppose, started off trying to use force. Mm. But when he came out of prison, he was a very, very different person. Um, and I suppose I was fortunate because I was brought up in South Africa during apartheid, but we went to a, um, a mixed race school. So it was like I lived in a bubble. I lived in this culture of apartheid, but I was actually very unaware of it at a young age um, because it wasn't part of my daily life, even though it was part of everyone else's daily well, yeah, life. That, I mean, uh, I don't know that much about apartheid South Africa, but was that common at the time, mixed race schools? That, that's not No, 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 not at all. We, we used to get bomb threats and things. Right. Um, and it was weird because, again, I was completely oblivious. I mean, I didn't, I didn't understand the real threat. And we just used to get excited because we used to get off class and go and play up in the field <laughs> while they got the sniffer dogs in and stuff. <laughs> so for me, it was just all a bit of a joke. You know, it's only now looking back as an adult that I realise how serious it all was. Um, I mean, I've got a photograph of us going on a school trip and we had to hire the entire coach of a train because they weren't allowed to have mixed people mm. in the same carriage. So for us to travel together as a class, we had to hire an entire carriage so that we could all go in there. And we've got a photo of us sticking our heads out the windows. And in Afrikaans, it says net blanks. So only whites, um, you know, and I was just, yeah, I wasn't aware of all of that while I was there, but then I left and sort of looking back on it. Um, yeah, I was really quite shocked, I suppose, by, by what yeah, was going on. Because of course I remember it, you know, going on in the eighties and it, when you talk yeah. about it, it feels like something that happened 200 years ago now as well, yeah. you know, that you could do that and get away with it, you know? Exactly. Mm. So, you know, and then, and then, so I moved away from South Africa, but then I found myself back just for six weeks and not intentionally. It was over Freedom Day. So it was when Nelson Mandela was released from prison. Mm -hmm. And it was just the most amazing thing. I was working in a shopping center as a waitress and everybody in the entire shopping center, you know, every culture, creed, nationality, you know, whatever came out and we held hands up and down through the stairs on the escalators all the way sort of around the shopping center um, and had a minute silence. And it was just so incredibly moving to be with those men, that many people all together, all in solidarity of the same thing. Um, and that's what Nelson Mandela achieved. I mean, he, he, he unified people that were ready to kill each other. Um, and he didn't do it through force. He did it through his presence and through who he was being. And I suppose that has been my sort of, since I've gone on this path, my, my mission is to understand both him and Gandhi, understand how they did what they did so that more of us, because there's so many people in the world wanting to create change, mm. but how they're going about it is through force and making things wrong. Um, Gandhi and Mandela, although they stood for what was right, they didn't actively sort of force against what was wrong okay so that brings up a couple of questions for me <laughs> just a couple <laughs> yeah well no it doesn't it brings up many many questions and i could talk to you about it all day i'm trying to yeah I'll, I'll try and limit it to a couple for now um so i'm curious then how do you take this mandela archetype almost or the gandhi archetype and translate that into something for someone who's trying to develop a business on one level or have something in their lives. And my second question, I'll give you them both at once. When you refer to the kind of movements going on in the world that are doing things through force, um, I wonder how you see, like if there's particular ones you're drawn to or feel could benefit from an infusion of that kind of wisdom now. 
to that. Um, okay, so let me start with the first question. Um, it was actually interesting. I had a collaboration with another couple of um, ladies, actually. We were developing a leadership program. And we'd all actually done the consciousness coaching training, which was lovely because we used similar language and we understood each other. And in defining how we would fit what we do together, um, it was interesting having the discussion because what I realized is what I focus on is beingness. And again, I'm limited by our vocabulary because <laughs> it doesn't really make sense. But to me, it's the very basis of who we are. It's, it's like the starting point of any transformation is looking at who we're being in the world. And it's almost like when we, because we're so used to dealing with the outside world and adapting ourselves to fit into the outside world, we can't always see that the change needs to happen within ourselves. And that when we change ourselves, everything else changes. So that's really what I work with with people is to change who they're being in the world so that they show up differently and their experience is different. Um, and that affects people in everything. It affects them in business, in corporate, um, in relationships, or in every single possible manner. Does that answer what you were, what you were asking about that? Or have I gone off I on a I think it does, yeah. I'll reflect on that and see if there's anything more with that. that okay. does, yeah. and, and to me, that, that is the most powerful thing is... Um, I mean, again, sort of looking at um, the values and things that they have in businesses and corporates, one of the main ones that most companies have is authenticity. Um, and again, it's a wonderful thing to have there, but most people don't know what it means to be authentic. And the power that you have by being authentic, you know, we've sort of learned how to hide ourselves and we've made parts of us wrong and we've shut things down. Um, and as soon as we do that, we have to almost try and use manipulation or subterfuge to get what we want but actually our true power lies in being authentic um, and being open and honest and transparent but it's uncomfortable because we've been taught that it's a weakness um, mm. and that it makes us vulnerable and if we're vulnerable we're likely to die <laughs> at least that's how our brain interprets it which is actually completely nonsense um, yeah. but anyway so um, I help when I read to the, to that state. when I read the testimonials on your website from business people and um, they're all saying that their business got better, right, through Absolutely. the intervention, um, which speaks to it being a benefit. Because, you know, I, when you're, you're saying there about vulnerability and openness and this kind of thing, um, it, it doesn't necessarily instantly hit me. Okay, and that would be something that would make a business better, you know? Exactly. Um, you wouldn't think so. Not, mm, really? Um, so, yeah, that's, it's really interesting to um, Again. see that connection. And not just think, and okay, again, it's nice to be open and vulnerable, uh, but I don't think it will help my business see that there's, there's a power to openness and vulnerability too, I think is fascinating. Exactly. And, and that goes back to understanding how we work as humans. So if we look at like our subconscious and our conscious, the way we work subconsciously and consciously, um, our subconscious mind can process, I think it's like 400 million bits per second or something like that. Whereas our conscious mind can only process something like 50,000 or something bits per second. So subconsciously, when you interact with somebody or a company or an organization, you take in absolutely everything that's going on. So you take on whether they're manipulating you, that you take on how they're selling stuff to you, how they're doing it, but consciously you're not aware of all of that information. So by becoming more vulnerable, more transparent and more open and authentic and all of those things, subconsciously people really get you, but consciously they might not understand why. So that's really where the, the power is, is it's, it's in the unseen, but in the, 
you know the understanding of <laughs> if that makes sense it does yeah no it's it's it really does okay so with the second question then um i didn't expect to go in the political direction but it's fascinating to do so i think a big interest of mine um over the past few years is i've seen society i think become more divided particularly in britain and the united states in britain there was the brexit thing and in the united states the trump thing were these two phenomena that have separated society where one half finds the other utterly incomprehensible in the political and economic decisions that they think are going to be the right way to go and vice versa and what seems to be coming from that is a lot of angry divisive rhetoric okay and yeah. it, an interesting question for me then has been so what's the role of spirituality in this is the role of spirituality to pick the right decisions the right economic policies the right political policies um the right policies on immigration or whatever and and support and push that or is the role of a, a spiritual approach to um facilitate some kind of dialogue or reconciliation or putting down of one's own opinions and understanding the other so that, that's been what's going on for me and i wonder with regard to what you've been saying about nelson mandela about gandhi um and your coaching how do you see that playing out how do you see the kind of work you do the perspective you take um could be useful on that more political level with the divide that goes on there um i suppose and it's this i mean this goes back to a direct quote from gandhi it's to be the change in the world that does not say you make the world change it's to be the change so if you want to i mean i use the word, word love you know loosely because it's not that romantic love to me love the energy of love is about being open um, when we're open life flows through us and we're engaged in life and we're present and we you know we can experience it and it's joyous joyous and it's um gratitude it's um it's an amazing energy so my who i want to be in the world is that and when i interact with things and um, there's a wonderful um it's a pity that you, we're not standing together actually because there's a super duper experiment that i do with people to do with pushing their hands together um so um i'll try and explain it so two people stand with their hands parallel and um, one person with their hands on the outside and the other person with their hands on the inside the person with their hands on the inside has to resist the person pushing them inward um, and they do it twice so the first time i get them get people to do it i ask the outside person to force the inside person's hands together as hard as they possibly can and the person on the inside has to resist as hard as they can both times and then the second time i asked the person pushing the hands together instead of forcing them to connect to the person in front's heart sort of energetically to connect to all that is and to remember a time when they felt completely inspired uh, moved um, in love or whatever it is and to then bring their hands together and i've done this with hundreds and hundreds of people and when they are in that space the person resisting cannot resist it's amazing their hands just melt mm. together and i suppose that's where i see my role is to bring that energy and to teach people how to be from that space so that we can melt resistance and you know diffuse things rather than force them yeah i i've seen examples of that actually i um i study aikido throughout my 20s and continue to do so yeah. and i met a, a aikido is a japanese martial art which has a kind of 
peace and love and oneness philosophy running through it. And I had the pleasure of meeting this American teacher, Paul Linden, once who had really developed the idea of how the the psyche is affecting the body and how uh, having a, a loving consciousness is just far more powerful than being angry. And he'd do exercises like where you get a towel and you'd hit a chair as hard as you could, feeling as angry as you could. And then you'd evoke these feelings of love and warmth and oneness and then hit the chair again. And you'd find the slapping sound it made was far more powerful on the second attempt when you used the power coming from love. And you, you can even feel it in your body if, you, if I, I monitored like, what's going on there. And the body is just far more coordinated and works as one unit when it's got this feeling of love running through it as opposed to a feeling of, of anger or separation. Absolutely. And I mean, if you think about it, when we are in a state of fear or anger or whatever else, you can physically feel yourself become denser um, and sort of close in and sort of protect and go into resistance. And when we do that, we stop the flow of energy. I mean, if we're all, if you look under a microscope, we are all energy. And um, the way I see it is that we have energy flowing through us and we even call it in the spiritual sort of world, you know, being in the flow is like a, a state that we all aspire to being in. Well, to be in the state of flow, we need to be open. And to be open, you need to be in a state of love or grace or joy or whatever else. Um, so for us to allow the universe, whatever you want to call it, life to work with us, we need to be open and we can only do that if we remain in that space. Um, and I think that the more of us that can do that, the more choices that we make that come from that space, um, the more we will shift everything in our reality, including the government and everything else and the yeah. choices being made around us. Yeah. And that's quite, that's a different level of an answer to that. I suppose what was in my mind when I asked the question, I would, it's exactly because it's, what yeah. you are asking, is what do we do about it mm. and then that, remember i said to you a lot of people focus on the external world yeah um and to me when we focus on the external world it's that sort of pushing it away from us but what i would rather do is say okay well who do i need to be because who i am being will have much more of an impact than in me making something wrong and, and trying to externally change something because as soon as you try to change something externally you've made it wrong and if you've made it wrong there's resistance and then there's a blockage in energy um, you can experience something and say that's uncomfortable i don't enjoy that who do i want to be in the presence of that um, and then that might change but um, to actually physically make it wrong and fight it and try and force it to change just creates more of the same thing okay thank you for that to finish up, I'd just like to ask, I'd just like you to talk about the work you're doing now. Now you're, you're in the South, you're, you're based in Bath, aren't you, in the Southwest of I England? I am, I'm yeah. based in Bath. And do you do coaching online as well as in your geographical area? You do? Okay. Yep. So, um, yeah, well, please just say anything you'd like to say about your work, your business, your coaching, what you offer people, how they can get in touch with you, that kind of thing. Okay, well, thank you very much. Um, I, I suppose my, my main passion is for coaching leaders and executives and things like that, purely because who they are within the organization, if they can sort of change or, you know, see the world differently, who they're being within the organization has the greatest impact on everyone else within the organization. So I kind of see it as the, the quickest way to work with as many people as I can to create the biggest amount of change. <laughs> but having said that, I also work with entrepreneurs and individuals as well. So I'm, I'm open to working with anybody. Um, and I've had quite a lot of work with people in relationships, although that's not always been sought out. 
but um, it tends to sort of come towards me. And um, what I'm also doing at the moment, I've actually just been asked to be on the board for the International Coaching Federation. So um, I'm going to be working with them to promote coaching within the UK um, so that people really understand what the difference is of working with somebody who has qualified as a coach to somebody who's just decided to call themselves a coach and work in that field. So I'm doing that. Um, I'm also working um, with Bath Future Talent Program um, to develop young talent here in Bath. And I have been asked, or actually funnily enough, I've had a conversation with somebody earlier today about working with ex-offenders, mm -hmm. um, which I would love to do too, because I really do believe that we, we have the power to create our experience in the world. Um, and I'd like to bring that to people who don't necessarily think they have a choice or think that life has sort of been rather nasty to them. Okay, thanks for that. I find this incredibly interesting because I, I think that um, on one level, I meet a lot of people in the spiritual world who would like to do things but have a, a difficulty with the, the power concept or manifesting it. And the other thing I find uh, very interesting is the testimonials page on your website has all these people who are senior in big corporations applying these kind of what I would call spiritual principles and finding it has a positive effect on their business. So I'll put a link into your website. And I think I might drop it right onto that testimonials page, actually, so people can can see that. And Brit's website also has a whole uh, video blog, a vlog on it, of lots of short videos giving coaching advice. So um, people can check that out too. Oh, just one last thing as well. is It's not just coaching that I do. I also do training. So um, I actually go into organizations that aren't functioning and help them to see how they can shift and what they need to change so that they can get the organization to perform at a much higher level, but using the methodologies that I do and using the conscious awareness. Great. Okay. Well, thank you, Britt. And I hope okay. to speak to you again on the podcast again sometime. Super. Thank you ever so much. Thanks.